Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. So pleased you can join us in today's show. I am Michelle. And I am Mark, your host of this podcast, a show that was designed for you, the Awakening Empty Nester. In this series, we will be bringing you a whole range of inspiring insights, heart-filled stories, and conversations with truly amazing people. People just like you. People who have navigated through their own challenges, lessons, and opportunities. People who have transitioned to living a life of deeper experience, heart-filled contribution, and consistent awakening and growth. Find out how they are all living with what we call a strong ECG life pulse. Let's discover more as we dive into this episode. Whether you're an empty nester or not, we trust you will enjoy today's show. Let's get started. Hello and welcome back to the Awakening Empty Nester podcast. We are so grateful for your time today and we're really looking forward to this conversation. Today we are excited to welcome a truly amazing lady who embodies the ECG pillars that add more life to life, experience, contribution and growth. Annette has managed to fit into her 50 plus years of life more than most people have. She calls herself a quasi-empty nester with her son having left, returned and left again, and a special needs daughter who is finding her own way in life. She is the ultimate queen of transition, having moved into many different roles in her 30-year-long career as a law enforcement officer. Now retired, Annette has not stopped serving her family and community. We hope to discover how this extreme human first responder hostage negotiator, doTERRA essential oils director, peer support mentor, big brothers, big sisters mentor, girl scouting leader, and the list goes on, continues to make a positive impact and is creating a legacy through her role as a lifestyle coach at youaresobusted.com. Annette wants to help change the narrative for first responders using her own life learnings, guiding them to peel back their old identity to discover who is truly within, whilst honouring the non-negotiables of life. Welcome, Annette Cruz Padilla. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I adore you two as a couple and separately as well, but I mean, as a couple, (laughs) you guys have always been just very charming, very sweet, very sincere, and I adore you guys. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Annette. Two years ago, we met in Los Angeles in the States, in your home country, at a Mind Valley event on a Train the Teacher and Evercoach event. So that's where we first met, and we've struck a friendship pretty much straight away and continued to connect ever since. And it's been amazing. I've just loved watching your journey, and we're so honored to have you on our podcast today. The first time I met her, I just knew. She had heart. You know, she's so bubbly. She had a big smile on her face. And you could just see that she wanted to help. She wanted to serve. She just has that energy around her. So we're so, like Mark said, we're very honored to have you on our podcast, you know, even though you're miles and miles away. There's so many things, as we said in the start of the podcast, so many accomplishments and experience that you have had 
Let's start the journey with you, where you were born, where you were raised. What was your childhood like? We'd love to know about that. Oh, my goodness. My childhood was very challenging, to say the least. I'm a first-generation American. My parents immigrated from Mexico. Spanish is my first language. I am English-dominant now. I work in the San Francisco area. Even though I'm retired, I enjoy being active and still being of service. So growing up, it was really tough. I had a really tough upbringing. And I think the challenges that I had as a child have really brought me to be to this point where I can communicate with people on both sides of the law. Mm-hmm. Because my, believe it or not, this, and I've never put this out there, but two of my brothers were in custody when I was serving as a deputy. Mm-hmm. and in the jail system. So mm-hmm. I was working in the custody division at that time. So I got to see my brothers on the other side of the bars. Mm-hmm. So that was very, very difficult for yes. me to see yes. my brothers incarcerated and, and being the kid's sister yes. and seeing, seeing them in their situation. Mm-hmm. However, I have excelled in doing the law enforcement profession. Yes. So just going back a little, so you said you had a tough upbringing. Was something there during your childhood that triggered you to decide to start law enforcement as a career? Because you've been in it 30 years already, so it's a long time. When did you actually get started? Well, I was actually, I was in the police academy by the time I was 22. Mm -hmm. So I've always worked because my mom was a domestic, so we would go clean houses and Mm -hmm. I'd scrub ovens and clean uh, refrigerators and translate for my mom because my mom did not speak English at all. So mm-hmm. I had to translate for her. And one thing that my dad did tell me, because by that time, my dad and my mom had divorced. He always told me work for the government because you'll have good benefits and you'll be paid well and you'll have health care. Mm-hmm. And in the U.S., that is one of the biggest things that can curtail you is your health care. Mm-hmm. If you don't have health care coverage, you can mount up a bunch of bills and be in debt and go bankrupt, mm-hmm. basically. Right. And it's sad, but it's true. And uh, I think once I graduated from university, I was a political science major. I was going to go to law school, but I had mounted up so much debt, mm-hmm. uh, educational debt, that I said I need to get into something that will pay Mm-hmm. Uh, and get me out of debt. Mm-hmm. And my husband at that time was a criminology major. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, they're looking for women and minorities. And I said, oh, that's me. <laughs> I never foresaw that I would go into law enforcement, believe it or not. But I wanted to be a lawyer. That's what my dad was saying to me. He was like, you need to get educated. You need to become a lawyer. And he was all for that. I love my dad with all his flaws. He was very much, women should not be in law enforcement. Mm -hmm. So he did not go to my graduation. Mm -hmm. It was fine if I was going to be a lawyer, but it was not okay that I was going to go in law enforcement. Mm -hmm. Yet, I found that um, being in law enforcement, it's my passion. It still is. Yes. And you're working as an ombudsman at the moment in the prisons. Is that right? I work in the county jails. Well, yeah. there's a little bit of distinction here in the U.S. between prisons and jails. Okay. Jails oh. are usually short term. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then when you go into the state, like the state of California has prisons mm-hmm. and 
penitentiaries are federal. So prisons are state, and those are usually for long-term sentences, like a person that's uh, five years or more has okay. time to do. Right. Then they have to do that usually in a prison system, short-term or while they're still their cases are still being adjudicated, yeah. then they are in jail. Mm, okay. I guess, well, I'm assuming, is it automatically depicts, it must be a pretty challenging place to be, to spend time in, in an environment like that. I've got no clue of what that's like. Like, share some experiences that you may have had. Oh, absolutely. And let me also uh, start by um, differentiating. A lot of people think uh, law enforcement is only police. So there are police departments and they're usually citywide, but when it, a city also has a county, then it's usually a sheriff's. San Francisco is unique in that um, the city and county is all within the city limits. So having said that, we don't have a real patrol function. Like we won't see us on a beat, but we are in specific areas. As a sheriff, let me tell you a little bit of what I've done. Um, I've done evictions. So when people are evicted for various reasons from their homes, mm -hmm. um, when they are in the court system, I've been a bailiff for many years. Right. And so I've done everything from adoptions to family court to restraining orders to small claims, probate court, criminal courts, trials. Um, that I've done as also as a bailiff, believe it or not. So working in the courts, I've protected judges and commissioners that have been, had credible threats against their lives. Uh, let's see. I've also done swap. Swap is when they go out with the orange mm -hmm. vest to clean the highways, um, do various uh, tasks around the city, cleaning graffiti, uh, graffiti abatement. My career has expanded so much. I've also been a hostage negotiator, wow. grief counselor, a peer counselor, a peer support coordinator. I've done so much within the job itself. And right now I'm an ombudsman, which mm -hmm. I am a civilian employee because I'm retired. Mm -hmm. So as a civilian employee right now, I help with compliance with the prisoners getting what they're supposed to get, basically what they're entitled to right. uh, through uh, government regulations, like if they're supposed to get some, uh, glasses, reading glasses, so they can actually read their paperwork, because otherwise they wouldn't be able to read or paper, their legal documents, things of that sort. Right. I help facilitate that and help um, hold the department accountable. Right. That's a heck of an experience. I have lots of experience. That's just oh, a little bit of it. Yeah. Over a period of th about 30 years, right? Yeah. Yes. Wow. And on top of that, you've been a parent. You've been a mum. You've a got mom, two beautiful a kids, a wife. Yes. My husband is also a law enforcement officer and yep. he is also retired. We're both at this point quasi empty nesters. We have one special needs daughter, that mm -hmm. adult daughter yeah. who lives with us and she's high functioning. So it's just some things where she needs some help. Mm -hmm. I'm proud of her. I'm proud of my son. I couldn't be happier to be a mother of two. My kids are awesome human beings, and mm -hmm. I couldn't be happier. Yeah. So your son has left home, and I believe he returned for a short while? Yes. When COVID happened, mm -hmm. uh, and I'm sure a lot of people are in this situation where my, my son actually worked in San Francisco 
uh, as a mixologist and artisan type drinks. Mm-hmm. And also he's done off the grid, which is gourmet food trucks around the city. San Francisco and the Bay Area is very food oriented. Mm-hmm. Yes. There's a huge foodie culture here. Mm-hmm. And he was really part of it. He worked in Japantown. He did uh, Italian cuisine at a Michelin white linen restaurant. He's uh, a certified pizza maker. He went to Italy to learn farm to table cuisine and how to become a natural Napoleonic pizza specialist. So he gets paid more. He knows how to do the dough. I mean, it's it's an art. It's an art. (laughs) He must take after his mom, diving into all the different aspects of one certain career. Yes. And what happened was he also worked near Salesforce. So he had a huge clientele. I mean, it was all the time he was working. If he could work seven days a week, he would work seven days a week. But I think uh-huh. one day off, yeah. we opened up a stadium uh, called the Chase Center. They would do venues like have Metallica or different um, bands come. Oh, okay. yeah. He would be called to be catered to do all of that. So he was enjoying life. He was making money hand over fist. And now when COVID hit, Mm -hmm. it dried up. Right. And that's when he came home for a period of time. Yes. He came home and all of us Mm -hmm. had to kind of like review our lives and Mm -hmm. see how we were going to make this work. Yeah. And it was hard because I think I don't envy the 20 somethings right now or the 30 somethings because their lives are going to be completely different. We're going to be living the repercussions of this for a long time. Mm. On the outside, COVID has impacted in so many ways, all of our lives, young and old. But what I wanted to ask you as having been an empty nester and then having your child come back in, did the roles shift during the time that he was gone? Were they different? Oh, very much so. My son has been on his own since he was 17. He was one of those very Renaissance young men. Mm-hmm. He has traveled Europe. He has gone to Burning Man like okay. three times. So mm-hmm. he and he travels around with the betting company with John Mayer. It's a rock band, but like a psychedelic hippie-ish rock band. Okay. Yep. So he was kind of a roadie. Right. Okay. okay. Yeah. So he would travel wherever they were. So New York or wherever they would go, he would go travel with them. So how old is he now? He's 24, is that right? Yes, he's 24 now. Right. So was it six or seven years that he was away from home and then he came back? Yes. He's done a heck of a lot in that period of time. He does take after me. (laughs) (laughs) So give us maybe one instance of where things were just not quite the same from the time he left to when he came back in terms of you interacting with him. Oh, my gosh. When he came home, came home, not as the little young squirt that was so impatient. (laughs) He came back with such humanity and humility and appreciation. And when he left, it wasn't always on the best terms because we were locking horns. There was Mm -hmm. a power struggle going on at the time. Mm -hmm. He wanted to do what he wanted to do. And he thought that we were holding him back with house rules and mm-hmm. curfews and all of that. He wanted yeah. to just come in, did as he pleased. And we couldn't allow that at the time. They had to be house rules. Our daughter's younger and mm-hmm. more susceptible. So mm-hmm. we had to tell him, you know, 
we got to lock this down. You can't just come in anytime you want and bring people over how you want. And so he was being a little bit reckless. So mm -hmm. I said, well, if, if you want to be a grown man and do these types of things, fine. Then you're going to have to find your way. Just like I found my way. Because I left home when I was about the same age. Right. So I've been on my own since as well. Yeah. So, yeah. and now when he came home, he made me tea. Wow. <laughs> and I mean, he made me tea that he learned someone how to do a, an actual formal tea ceremony. Right. Wow. Okay. I mean, got me a gift set. Uh -huh. No, mom, this is how you do it. Yeah. Went to Chinatown and he got, did everything, <laughs> the mixing. It was an art. Mm -hmm. He goes, no, mom, you have to pour it from this angle. You know, I mean, he was so, and it was so nice because mm. we got to just sit and be and reacquaint each other mm. over a cup of tea with oh, my beautiful. son. Yeah. And I never thought that that would happen. I mean, it yeah. kind of bring tears to my eyes. Yeah. And just the serenity that he has and the, the presence that he has. Mm. He has such a presence now as mm -hmm. a young man. Yeah. I respect him so much. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. And he had to learn things the way he had to do it. Yes. Very hard. Mm -hmm. You know, he's determined, mm -hmm. but he's also so much more, just so much more wisdom yeah. in his young years than, than I would imagine. He's lived a lifetime already. Yeah. yeah. That's beautiful, that story, because a lot of empty nesters struggle with First of all, letting go of their children when, when it's time for them to, to fly the nest, when like maybe in instances like with your son where there's a little bit of struggle at home, one, a bit of a, I want to be independent, want to find out who I am, and it manifests in arguments and disagreements. But yet when we let them go and let them become empowered in their own way, become independent, find their own way, they do discover a little bit more about who they are. And that's giving your child their freedom, giving them their wings and trusting, trusting in the process. And it may not always happen that they come back mature like your boy, your man now. Um, but, you know, there is something to be said about letting go and trusting and knowing that what you have given them in the years when they were with you will rub off in some way. Absolutely. The biggest compliment that I've, I've received over the years is when people people will say, oh, you know what, your son, he is such a remarkable man. Mm. And he is wise beyond his years. Yeah. And he's very charismatic and just very centered in himself mm -hmm. and, and such a giving human being. He will cook you the best meal mm. and you will have the best time. He will host He's done it for us and he's done it for countless other people. Mm -hmm. And people would just love to have him around because he knows how to really fill the space with delicious food, smells, aromas, mm -hmm. and presence. Yeah. And we got to play board games as a family that we hadn't done that for years. And I totally enjoyed that. Yeah. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, that's beautiful. So, you know, you brought the whole new experience to your life. And, you know, I would say haven't known you for that long, Annette, but because you exude that joy of living and done so much, you've had so many experiences in your life, some good, mostly good and some not so good. And you love to learn and you love to find out more and you on your continual 
path of growth. Your son has seen that and he's experienced that, I'm sure, over the years. And that's what he's now giving back to you. He's contributing back to you. So that's just beautiful. I love it. Love that he's passionate. Love that you're passionate. It has to rub off somewhere. Showing that example to him. Beautiful. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. That's amazing, Annette. And I can see you're a proud mama there for sure. And it's so beautiful to see. Tell us a little bit about your daughter. You mentioned that she has special needs. So how has that journey been for you? Some of our listeners may have a similar circumstance. How has that been for you? And what would you advise parents that are going through a similar journey as yourself? Oh, thank you for asking that. I think it's a very important issue. My daughter is almost the opposite, but yet mature in her own ways. So she has her own things. Um, she's 22. She's, she has developmental issues and learning disabilities. Mm -hmm. So because of that, um, my husband and I had to come to the realization that we will probably be her, um, caretakers for longer than we had anticipated. We're both retired now, but we were lucky in that we knew since our daughter was in vitro Mm -hmm. that she had an extra chromosome. So we had to do our research and whatnot and what that entails. All it meant from talking to Mm -hmm. other parents was that she was just going to be just a bit slower Mm -hmm. and it would take her a little bit longer to be at where her peers would. So because of that, we've always been very supportive and protective of her. But yet the same thing with any child, you have to let them have their wings. You have to let them figure out how they're going to show up in the world. Mm -hmm. And because of that, my daughter really has been mainstream Mm -hmm. most of her uh, young adult life. So Mm -hmm. she's only had resources to help her. And we have a service animal, a German shepherd dog that helps her with her mobility. Mm -hmm. And she also suffers from PTSD. And she has a bit of social anxiety. Mm -hmm. So whereas my son, you put him in any social situation and he would excel my daughter is very quiet very reserved Mm -hmm. almost shy introvert so he's the premier extrovert and she's the extreme introvert Mm -hmm. so she she writes poetry she is a creative Mm -hmm. soul animals take to her so she Mm -hmm. she's an empathic Mm -hmm. type person Mm -hmm. and she knows right away if you're almost like her gauge is really good. If you're a good person and she wants to engage with you or reserve herself to not, to not speak and pass, she'll like, no, not doing it. Not going to participate in this. And we'll make no bones about it because she's so secure in herself. In that sense, I feel very proud of her. Mm. Oh, absolutely. That's a gift. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like if other kids uh, were like smoking cigarettes and they're like, here, have some, she would say, no, mom, I don't do that. That's not good for you. You know, and she wouldn't, Mm -hmm. but then, you know, kids can be very, she was very much bullied because of that, because she Mm -hmm. didn't catch on to those little social cues that were going on, you know, like being cliquish or fitting in, you know, even though she, of course, somewhere along the line, she wanted to fit in, but she knew that she wasn't going to fit in necessarily with everyone. Right. So she's her circle of friends and her circle of trust is smaller. It's much smaller, but yet 
very profound. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I like that about her, that she she's loving, caring, giving. She's thrown a birthday party for a close friend and she cooked everything herself. She thought yeah. of all the details and she treated them so graciously and so beautifully. And I would just made me mm. proud as a mother because she didn't have to do that, but she wanted to do it. And from the goodness mm. of her heart, and she's like that. She's, yeah. she's the other half of me. <laughs> I can be like a hundred miles an hour. Yes. And she, she's like, no rush, mom. We'll right. get to that. Yeah. We'll get there. And my son's like that. He revs up too. Okay. So me, my son and I were more like, gotta get it done. Gotta get it done. And she's like more like her dad in that. He's more serene, mm-hmm. gentle. Uh, we call it chill. Mm-hmm. You know, we said like, it's a very chill person. Yeah. Unless she's not. And yeah. <laughs> that, that's, that's another thing, you know, when, she, yes, when yes. she's having an, an anxiety attack, it's right. very, very difficult. Right. And I have to do breathing exercises with her mm. and a lot of modalities to get her back to her center. Right. Mm. You've just highlighted how our children can be so different, yet each of them be a special gift on their own. Whether your child is at home or whether they've left, or whether you haven't seen your child for a long time, I'm sure each parent out there knows that that child has brought a gift into their life. And you've just highlighted that just there. Beautiful. Thank you. The other thing I'd like to say there is loving them where they're at. We often find... Um, and, and I'm guilty of this. I was very judgmental in my early years when I was going through some stuff. And then when there's a disparity between your beliefs and somebody else's beliefs, we can become judgmental. And what I learned was if you love the person where they're at, irrespective of whether they're an extrovert or an introvert, where they are on their path and their own journey, whether they're, you know, like a 16, 17 year old trying to find themselves or they've awakened and come to a point when they're 25 and then settled down and started to understand that life is more than just them and they're starting to understand that there's more to life it's loving them where they're at and understanding that um, wherever they are they're going through their own journey they're going through their own stuff and at the core of it they're a very amazing human being yes i just want to say that i think partly growing up i think it has a lot to do with expectations and in any relationship Mm. expectations Realistic, spoken or unspoken. Mm. A lot of friction happens because this is so strange. My family never expected me to succeed. Right. They thought, you know, there wasn't that, oh, uh, she's going to excel. So I had to dig in deep myself yeah. and understand that I needed to do it for myself. Mm-hmm. Nobody was going to give me a handout. Mm. Nobody was going to push me up or uphold me. I had to do it all myself. Mm -hmm. By the time my parents were both working, they had very little time to really raise us. I kind of raised my younger siblings and my older siblings got involved with gangs and all that. And Mm -hmm. God went off the, into that street life type situation Mm -hmm. and got involved with drugs and alcohol and were violent. So I didn't want that. And I knew education, number one, was most important. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, understanding that I needed to be emotionally present myself because my parents, there was none of that. How are you feeling, honey? Mm -hmm. Oh, you must be sad. Or No, 
That was none of that. It was survival. Mm -hmm. It was getting food on the table. It was taking care of the immediate needs, uh, shelter, food, and um, getting to school and whatnot. Mm -hmm. I only saw education as a way out. And I really am a proponent of educating. But having said that, both of my kids decided not to go into college. Mm -hmm. And I had to, you know, bite my tongue (laughs) and just let them be the best versions of themselves that they could be. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really glad that I did that, that I didn't say, oh, well, my expectation is that you would go to college mm. and you would follow the educational uh, track mm-hmm. when I know that that wasn't, wasn't in their spirit. It's not what they wanted. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. As far as like my son, I would hope that he, he continues to learn, but guess what he does? He teaches himself like me. Mm-hmm. He taught himself how to play the guitar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? And he picks up how to learn by doing. Yeah. And then my daughter struggles with learning. So we're working right now with her with life skills mm-hmm. to getting her driver's license mm-hmm. and being more independent and understanding about money and mm-hmm. how to navigate relationships. So she's, you know, she's been in few relationships and she has had some major setbacks with with some of those relationships Mm. and it's it's really hard stuff yeah really hard yeah what you touched on there is powerful about taking responsibility for your own education for your own growth and in instances like your daughter sometimes yes you need to help her see the life skills that she may need to learn to move through life but most of the time, we we tend to get pulled towards the things we are curious about, the things that excite us, the things that we're passionate about. And it happens usually when we're in joy, when we're, we're happy about life and we just want to know more. But it also can happen when we're in a bit of a low. And it's a skill to be able to recognize that you're in a bit of a rut. And it happens to many empty nesters who have lost that sense of who they are because they were a parent for so many years and they've lost that sense of, well, who am I now and what are my dreams really? And what we say to our clients is find out what is it that you're interested in? What is it that really gets you out of bed in the morning and pursue that? And you never know what can come of that. That You know, that self-discovery is is also about discovering other things and experiencing other things, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I'm smiling from ear to ear because I've been doing that since I've retired, even though I'm a consultant Mm -hmm. and building my business as a coach, I am passionate about my first responders. I'm passionate to give back to that community Mm -hmm. and to the retirees. That's my love. So I'm so happy that you invited me to come on because we're learning too. So let me tell you that there's a mindset, almost like military, because we're a paramilitary. Mm-hmm. So there's a civilian life and a non-civilian life. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing. It's basically you're transitioning into a person that had a badge and a gun mm-hmm. and authority and respect, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And then you're taking all that off. You're shedding kind of all that off. Mm-hmm. And then are you underneath all of that exactly and i am absolutely going through that Mm -hmm. um i highly recommend reading hazel ortega's book uh the magic of manifesting and she had us do a 
uh, drawing mm -hmm. of what we want to manifest in the next five years. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then I'm doing another challenge for uh, someone else. And he had us write our obituaries yesterday. Oh. So your eulogy, how do you want to be remembered? Yeah. And that was so powerful. Yeah. And all your intentions that you put out come back to you. Mm -hmm. I, I'm a firm believer in that. Yeah. Yep. Um, and since I did the Mind Valley, mm -hmm. I have had nothing but wonderful people and developing the tribes of people and how I want to serve now in mm -hmm. this point of my life. What do I want to show up? or as now. Mm -hmm. And I invite people to continue to challenge yourself. You can take it at your pace. Mm -hmm. But in doing that, how do you want to be remembered? How do you want to show up for yourself now? Exactly. Um, mm -hmm. Mark, I, I know you're a wild fit coach. Once a pandemic happened, and I started saying, what do I need to do to come out and be a success on the other side of this? Because mm -hmm. the pandemic is no joke. It's going to take a lot of people out. You know, a lot of people are going to resign their lives. I don't, I don't know how else to say it. Mm -hmm. You know, and it, that's sad. Mm -hmm. And a lot of retired people are lost as well mm -hmm. because their social networking that they had, mm -hmm. like their neighbors or their good friends that they used to be able to go mm -hmm. out with and socialize or meet up with. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, that kind of had to end, especially if you have health issues. Mm -hmm. So you had to pivot and change. And it, it took me quite a while to come out on the other side. But as soon as I took my health more seriously, mm -hmm. as soon as I started getting rid of sugar and processed foods and eating clean and hydrating well, you know, all the things that you do, you know, just taking a breath, walking, getting in commune with nature and taking mm -hmm. those moments to really be introspective. And I also started taking um, breathing exercises mm -hmm. and meditation has helped tremendously. What it takes to really move forward, you have to really know yourself. Mm. You have to make yourself a priority. Yeah. And you have to learn what is important to yeah, you absolutely. and what you want to put out. Yeah, I love that. And I know you're huge on contribution and you're giving back through the service and your first responders. And I think that's just amazing. I mean, a lady that's had a wide array of experience through your career and you're giving back in that space. And I highly commend you with that. What I also want to point out here is how you've contributed back to yourself. Like you just said, taking your health more seriously, putting that at a higher level of your priority in physical health, mental health, and all of that aspect. And so many people do not do that because of a whole range of reasons. So contribution is huge. And it's one of the things that we love to talk about. Contributing to yourself has to be that first thing. You've got to contribute to yourself to such a degree that you have more so that you can contribute to others. Absolutely. I didn't realize that all those years in law enforcement, I was really starting to live a life of scarcity, mm. you know, because I was on survival mode. Yes. Mm. I was doing the thing where I was so many things to other people, Yes. but I was not on the top of that list. Mm. So consequently, my health really started to decline. I'm a mm. cancer survivor. Right. I had been diagnosed with PTSD. I was really well on my way to tanking. Right. I really was. My health was horrible. Yeah. I, had, I was taking high blood pressure medication. I was pre-diabetic. Um, 
my body just was breaking down. I was walking with a cane. Um, I have other chronic health issues like chronic pain. I have uh, from wearing the duty belt for so many years and, right. and gotten injured on the job. Yeah. Um, I was really broken up. I felt like, a, you know, I'm not a rugby player, but <laughs> if you were on the bottom pile of a rugby <laughs> pile, that's how I felt. Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> I just keep running. You know, I, I really, I felt like a Mack truck hit me all the time. I was so, but I was on survival mode. Sure. I was, I was not, I was just, going to the next fire, to the next fire, to the next fire, to the next fire. Mm -hmm. And I had nothing for myself. And I was completely depleted until I, COVID, it's not what COVID, not what things, uh, what things uh, do to you. It's what they do for you. Exactly. Right? Absolutely. COVID has done a lot for me Mm -hmm. because it made me sit down and not be so distracted. Mm. It forced me, literally forced me to figure out, reassess, and refocus what I needed to do to live my best life. Wow. Nice. I mean, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing those challenges, physical challenges that you went through. So you did the WildFit program, I understand. So how did yes. you find the program? I found it, for me, it was absolutely invaluable because... I had to figure out my relationship with food. Mm-hmm. Now, for some people, they don't understand um, what it is. You know, just eat this certain amount of calories and you'll lose weight. Mm-hmm. But it's what the weight represents. And I needed to get control of that. And I could show you what my food um, avatars are. My food avatars, my food angel is Groot. Little baby Groot. <laughs> I have a Groot yeah. from Guardians of the Galaxy, because Baby Groot loves to dance. He's into music. He's growing. He's still continually growing. He's a, in perpetual growth. Yes. And that is what that represents to me. Mm. Then on the other side, my food devil, uh-huh. the one that talks me into um, toxic food choices mm-hmm. yes. and tries to fill that pool that I could never fill is Deadpool. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> okay so i think mark gets me i love it i love it <laughs> because he'll never because he'll never die you can throw a nuclear bomb and he can cut back and regenerate and regenerate and regenerate and he has such a smart witty sarcastic sanctimonious uh um manner and attitude about everything that is my food devil. Right. Mark, I think you understand where I'm at. I, well, I'm a huge fan of those movies. I love those movies and I love both of those characters. And you know what? That is the first time I've heard from all of the people I've taken through the program. They've never changed that avatar into a character that they resonate with. That is fantastic. I absolutely love that. And those characters are dead on the money. Thank you. Thank you. I started it at the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. And so it changed my dialogue about food. Mm-hmm. Yes. And even when I'm still struggling with food choices. Yes. Because um, I'm a child of many abuses. I was emotionally, physically, and sexually abused as a child. Right. That, and throughout. And I had repressed so much. 
the weight represents a lot to me. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it's like my safety blanket that I still wear mm -hmm. because I'm still in the process of healing mm -hmm. and shedding yes. layers and layers and layers of trauma. And there was just a lot of things growing up. Mm -hmm. That's why I said my childhood was very difficult. Yeah. It was extremely difficult. Mm -hmm. But now as an adult, I have to take responsibility. I can't blame what happened years and years ago for what my happiness now is. Mm -hmm. I deserve to be happy. Everyone here deserves a chance at happiness yes. yeah. and realizing their best version of themselves. Yes. I'm not saying you have to be happy all the time because that's ridiculous and unrealistic. Yeah. I have moments where I struggle with depression. Then I realize that food is not the answer. Mm -hmm. That's not my cure. That's never going to fill those holes mm -hmm. that I feel in my soul. That's yeah. never going to fill the the loneliness or the abandonment issues mm -hmm. that I had with my mother. Um, there was so many different times where food became my, my drug of choice. Yes. And I, I didn't understand that. Yeah. And I didn't learn how to eat healthy. I didn't understand that sugar was so divisive and the processed foods were so horrible for my body and my mind and my soul. Mm. Yeah. And now I don't want to do that. I want to, at least now, before I get too far along, because I, I have so much weight to lose, that before I can get to that point where I start spiraling out of control with mm -hmm. my food, mm -hmm. I'm able to readjust and pivot and gain my equilibrium back and reset. Yeah. And I think the more that I do it, the easier and more um, momentum you'll get. Yeah, the more momentum. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. I absolutely love that. Thank you very, very much for sharing that. Mm. And uh, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. And it's, again, another reflection of discovering who you really are beneath all of those layers. And sometimes we have to go through a change, like you mentioned, with this year to make us actually wake up, wake up to the fact that something needs to change. And in that change, when you harness the courage inside of you to step forwards and embrace something different, something that might be scary, something that might floor you at times because under all the layers of what you're uncovering, there's some pain that hasn't yet been um, resolved or has still to be forgiven. Kudos to you for going through that journey, for continuing to go through that journey. And I um, can just see how everything about who you are has been enhanced by what you have done and how you're contributing. So all law enforcement that you've done, the doTERRA oils that you have, you've embraced as part of your healing, the ombudsman role that you now have, and how you are also building a business now, youaresobusted.com, is going to leave a legacy for you, for your family, for the first responders, and for a long time. We'd like to know a bit more about You Are So Busted. Tell us a bit more about that. Thank you for asking. So my passion right now is giving back to the first responders community at YourSoBusted.com. For people that are not aware of what first responders are, because there's so many different terms for it. It's basically the people that render you aid when things do not turn out right. So mm -hmm. it could be a dispatcher that takes your call, a 911 call. And I think in Australia, what do they use? Triple zero. Triple zero. So it's basically the person that you call the switchboard that helps you. Mm. Um, it's the law enforcement officer that runs if there's a crime or violence. 
it's the fireman that comes and saves your home mm -hmm. or a paramedic where an ambulance is called. Mm -hmm. If there's a search and rescue, those mm -hmm. would be considered first responders because your child gets lost in the wilderness or hikers. Yeah. People that come to your rescue mm -hmm. in many ways. Mm -hmm. uh, we also encompass former military and also corrections because they are still upholding the law. They still save lives in their care. Mm. It encompasses a lot of people. So fire, rescue, paramedics, EMTs, yep. all the people that you would call in case of an emergency. Mm. Very similar to here, the roles that you're, you're describing there and including the SES that we are part of as well. When you talked about search and rescue, that's a part of what we do as well. That's awesome. And I, I commend you guys for doing that because people don't understand, like you volunteer your time, your effort. And if you're training, maybe you can monetize it. But otherwise, it's pretty much at least here in the States, it's a volunteer. Mm. You do get training. You, you have to be out there and be in a physical form. Mm. Yeah. And get out there to, to search for people or mm. remains or that yeah. type of thing. Um, here in the Bay Area, we're susceptible to earthquakes. Yes. Mm -hmm. heat waves mm. and i'm all about serving the community that comes to serve the civilian population right. yeah you know so yep. when you call somebody you want somebody there to help you yep. well that's the people i i run to that's the person i was i know mm. i've saved lives i know i contributed to make society better and mm -hmm. i want to continue that right in my business is a mentor program for first responders. And that is taking on people that have all this training and wisdom and life experience and imparting some of that to the new generation. So I do believe strongly in developing a legacy of firm leadership and giving them the tools and the skills that they need, whether it be in communication, emotional grit, interpersonal skills and self-realizations because you can go on survival mode, but that will only last you so long. And then you may, like I had to find out, cost you your health, whether it be your mental health, your physical health, or your family units and your important relationships. We have a terrible history of first responders, marriages dissolving, right. people having problems with drug, alcohol, uh, PTSD, which mm. is my speciality, yeah. um, and also suicide. Mm. Yeah. It's a horrible reality, yeah. but I think especially now it's important to address these types of issues mm. so that we can start the healing process. Yes, yes, absolutely. Wow. That's an amazing mission, and it's just so happy that you are doing that for all those first responders out there. We could keep talking for ages. I'm so glad. We're so glad that you've been sharing this. You're an empty nester. You're obviously awakened in many respects. You're growing. You're contributing. You've experienced so much. And we have a group on Facebook called The Awakening Empty Nesters. For empty nesters who are listening into the podcast, please join the group. Because what it's about for us, it is about creating, as you just mentioned, there, a community, community of like-minded individuals who come together and support one another through their transition. So we like to ask our guests this question, Annette. 
How would you define an awakening soul? I would define an awakening soul as finding your purpose, finding what makes you really get up in the morning and continue to put one foot in front of the other. I am a great proponent of taking one day at a time, but knowing overall where you want to head. Mm. Now, your life can take you in so many different directions, but you got to at least know what makes you happy. Mm. you got to know what gives you meaning and purpose. Mm. With that said, you have to do the soul search. You have to do the walk. And if you don't know what it is, Aim for happiness. Mm-hmm. Aim for happiness because that's the bare minimum. You deserve to be happy. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Annette. Thank you for all those drops of wisdom that you have shared with us today. Thank you for that aura that you have, that passion, that love of living that you have. And we wish that for all empty nesters out there as well, all the people who are going through transition, all the people who are going through a tough time. There is definitely a way that you can pull yourself out of the rut, experience more, contribute more, and grow more. That's what we say, and I'm sure you would agree, Annette. Thank you again so much for your time. We'd love to have you back on another podcast, if you're willing. That would be lovely. I'd love to have another discussion with you to really dive into your business and how you are serving people through that space. So we only just touched on it and I think it's amazing, amazing thing you're doing. For somebody that's had such a massive life experience in all aspects and now you're giving back through your business. I love it. It's been an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. I'm sorry, I got a little choked up. Um, You guys are lovely. And I love what you're doing because empty nesters have so much to offer. And it's really up to us to figure out what we want to put out and how we want to show up in that space. Yeah. Yeah. But thank you guys so much. You, you, you brought tears to my eyes because um, that's all I've ever wanted yeah. is to, to contribute and be of service and yeah. to have this platform and have this and for you guys holding the space for me and for others. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. Thank so, you guys for doing what you're doing. I wish we were closer. I could give you a big hug right now. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I will hold you guys to it. I'm going to go to Australia. I don't know when, but I will. It's on my list. I want to get back to San Francisco. I've only been there once and it was only for like two days, maybe three. So I really didn't get to experience it. From my memory of it, it was such a beautiful city. Thank Thank you guys so much. I just want to say, you said thank you for holding space for you, but really thank you for holding the space for the first responders. Thank you. All right, Annette. All right, Annette. Bye, you guys. Thank you. Bye. This is the Awakening Empty Nester podcast. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoy what you heard today, share with a friend. And if you have not already done so, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach us directly at podcast at thedreamarchitects.com. Looking forward to you joining us on our next show. Thank you for listening.